Jerome Ford and Zach Moss. You know the mainstream waiver wire pickups for week three of the fantasy football season. But do you know the sneaky finds that you can add even potentially after waivers run? We break that all down and more tonight on the In-Between Fantasy Football Podcast. Because I've been in tune, out of touch, coming off the bench, trying to shake the funk, check a stat line, see who's up, that over, under, hit too clutch. And I'm trying to avoid getting carried away with the chest sweet, sleeping on a trick play, predicting all of my moves like AC never play. so I'm running it back, head down, get out of my way, and it's for the law with only one thing to do, I guess I'll say a prayer and put it all on the line. fantasy football podcast all right all right all right it is tuesday september 19th 2023 the in-between fantasy football podcast is back with you making moves as we head to week number three of the nfl season I'm Seth Wilcock. I just got back home from the electric factory that was that Steelers-Brown game out there in DeBerg, baby. I'm joined by my co-host, who's an expert in college basketball transfer portal news, fantasy football analysis, and picking up chicks because he's swaggy as hell, Eric Romoff. What's up, dude? How are we doing tonight? Man, we're keeping the uh, the two truths and a lie theme alive. (laughs) We're doing well. That was... That was a hell of a game for you to be at. That was like the picture-perfect Steelers win. So definitely want to hear more about that experience. But uh, all of a sudden, we're heading into week three, and I can't believe that we're saying that out loud. Hell yeah, man. I am pumped up. And also, Eric, for week number three, we are joined by a guy who hosts one of the hottest shows in the space, an absolute icon, a dude who used to hide fucking pizza in the bushes before and after Clemson games. Guys, give it up for Simon of FYF. What's up, Simon? What's up, Seth? Thank you so much for having me. And if our show is hot, it's because of John, Luke, and Joey looking hot sitting there next to me. Um, Appreciate you having us here. And it is crazy. We're heading into week three. We were talking a little bit before the show. It was almost, we've been staring at the same numbers for for eight months. These offseasons, the 2022 numbers. And now every couple of days, you're throwing just new data at my face and it's exciting and it's a lot and it's uh it's just fun to have something new to talk about every day i'm 100 percent with you man and soon like i feel like now we're doing okay but soon we will not be able to keep up and it already <laughs> has been kind of a carousel of injuries uh we, we saw one we'll talk more about it later in the show though in pittsburgh last night uh simon i know you're a browns fan man so i'm sorry for your loss it was uh i mean even outside of being a browns fan i think uh, everybody watching that game felt just how brutal it is to watch a player go down with that level of injury. You saw the way the Pittsburgh fans reacted there and what may be one of the most hostile environments in sports, at least in the NFL. Um, it was it was bad. You're sad to see it from Nick Chubb, but uh, fingers crossed that the news that comes next is more positive and that uh, in 2024 we see Nick Chubb back to form. 100% man um, but we're going to pick up the pieces for people's fantasy teams tonight uh, we do have some free agent finds to get into later on in the show or in the scope segment um, we're going to do some back in the day first talk about overperformers who potentially have staying power and what we can learn from last year and the the people who are hyped up after two weeks and then we'll do our from the form our mailbag segment prevented, uh, presented by our sponsor over there at the fantasy football advice network also joining us tonight, a man who forgot to hit the, the, the build-up music on the intro, but I did get to share an ice-cold bush light with him down at Akershire Stadium last night. Audio producer Kyle Scott. Kyle, how are we doing tonight, man, uh, d- despite the little fuck-up early? Yeah, I mean, I was feeling pretty good. Spirits were pretty high, and then I'm getting called out like that. <laughs> you know, a little unwarranted. I don't know, but I mean, otherwise, pretty fine. Uh <laughs> Glad to hear I'll it. Try to do better. 
How did you find the game last night, Kyle, uh, being down there in the Berg? It, it was an electric atmosphere. It was an electric atmosphere. You could feel the buzz in the city from like 4.30 on, I felt like. Oh, yeah. The city just shuts down on game days for sure. I mean, it was hard to find parking. and just to, I wasn't even tailgating. I was just seeing you guys. So I'm parking far away. I took the train <laughs> out just to hang out, have a couple brews. But... Yeah, the game was great for a Steelers fan. Uh, not good for a Browns fan, obviously, for several reasons. But that's football, baby. That's that, <laughs> that, is, that is fucking football, Kyle. That's for sure. Uh, also want to thank you, the IBT family, for tuning in. We legit cannot thank you guys enough for the support, man. It has been crazy these last couple of weeks, these last couple of months. And I know it sounds very trivial for YouTube uh, YouTubers to ask for things like likes and subscribers, but it really does help. It really does help push our content and allow us to bring more content to you guys. So thank you for being here with us. We got Albert in the chat tonight. What's up, Albert? Yeah. Thanks for joining us, my man. Uh, we got AJ in the chat. He's got some questions already. We'll get to those in just a minute here, AJ. Uh, and then, yeah, we got Steele saying, is that Kyle Scott? You're damn right that's Kyle Scott in the background, baby. Um, all right, guys, let's go ahead and kick it off. Let's look back in the day. Let's learn about what we can uh, what, what we can take from last year and apply to this year here for some of these over performers. They ain't make them like this way back in the day. You took a shot, couldn't miss way back in the day. Couldn't predict how it could all change. Don't you ever forget how far we came. baby we are back in the day and that is one of my favorite drops i have to say it boys like we don't do this segment a whole lot but we do a couple times a year and every time i'm in the groove i'm ready to go you had me rocking back and forth while that was going on fuck yeah shout out ism our guy nate miller on all the music uh let's talk about running backs who've over overperformed guys because i am looking at my rosters seeing some of these names and wondering should i capitalize on what the perceived value is right now let's start with some potential rb1s uh the rb2 on the season right now kyron williams he's had 17 points and 28 points in his last two games and then brian robinson the running back three on the early season as well uh 13.6 and 28.9 points for him simon how are we feeling about these two guys do you think there's one that has staying power who could be an rb1 an rb2 how do you see it shaking out for these guys it feels like every year there's a situation that the community as a whole just misreads, right? We saw it with Cordero Patterson. We've seen it with Philip Lindsay kind of coming in and stealing work. We've seen it yes. with Chris Carson taking over instead of Rashad Penny in the backfield there for the Seahawks. And this year, I do think it was the Los Angeles Rams backfield that we just entirely misread. Week one came out when I saw the usage for Kyron Williams and Cam Akers averaging less than two yards a carry on the same number of carries. There was an immediate alarm going off. This is not a week one wonder. This is a complete misread by the community on who the lead back for the Los Angeles Rams yeah. is going to be. I was wrong. It seems like most everybody was wrong because Kyron Williams was sitting there on the waiver wire in almost every league that I went looking for him in. Now, week two, Cam Akers is a scratch, and there's rumors that he's on the trade block. Kyron Williams, who killed it in week one on the ground, now gets 10 targets in week two to add to that. Um I'm in. And this is not anti-Brian Robinson. You can you can have me talk for 10 minutes about how much I like Brian Robinson as well. Certainly. But if we're looking at one of these guys who I think is more likely to finish the season in the top 12, Brian Robinson's not getting that receiving work. None of the backs are there in Washington. If Kyron Williams can even get half of what we saw in this past game, if he stays involved in that receiving game and is the Rams lead back, then this dude has top 12 upside to end the season. Okay. And Eric, how do you feel about these two running backs? And I do want to point out, looking back at last season, after week two, here are some of the running back ones. Clyde Edwards-Alaire, RB46 on the season. James Robinson, RB50 on the season. Kareem Hunt, RB40. Antonio Gibson, RB31. Miles Sanders, RB12. So 
there were some good finishes out of someone like Miles Sanders, and maybe that's what we're seeing from Kyron and Brian here. Or do you think it's more the the Kareem Hunt, James Robinson, CEH 2022 season we're going to get here from these guys? Yeah, I think those names that you mentioned are a cautionary tale, right? There is every single season a handful of guys that seemingly come out of nowhere and are atop the ranks after a week or two. And then we get a full you know, 15, 16, 17 game sample size, and they, they regress back to the mean, right? So, you know, while Kyron Williams is sitting at RB2, while Brian Robinson is sitting at RB3, I, I actually am I'm, I'm kind of with Simon. I, I like both of their situations overall going forward, but I don't think either of them are going to finish as top five or even, you know, top 10 running backs necessarily, right? Of the two, I, I think Kyron Williams has the better shot yep. to get it done, right? Like, Agreed. you know, yes, there there was some misread on the situation in, in L.A. overall. But in, I mean, in week one, Cam Akers out carried Kyron Williams, right? So, like, it was, it was a pretty clear split in favor of Cam Akers. And something cropped up over the course of, uh, of, of the week between one and two. What, where, what is know, it with this guy? What happens? Why does everyone always, all of a sudden hate him two years in a row? Yeah, I mean, like they're they're throwing around like culture fit questions, right? Which is like basically the NFL's way of saying like it's not me, it's you. And this is <laughs> yeah. the second time they've done it in like less than a year. So you know, obviously he is on the outs. I, I completely buy into the trade rumors, given the state of the you know the, the running back market. I'm not sure you know how many buyers there will, there will be out there, but you know, basically this is from my point of view, Kyron Williams' backfield for you know for the duration, right? Like who. Who else is there that's really going to push him for 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 touches? The only threat Zach is Evans, really yeah. I was going to say Ronnie the Rivers. Is right? There's an unknown in Zach Evans. Like there's the yeah. There's the what if of the rookie sitting behind him. But I'm good on Zach Evans. He was a good. five star prospect. Ended up at getting drafted in the seventh round. Beat out at yeah. Old Miss for a starting job. Beat out at TCU for a starting job. I'm good on him. Um, so I'm with you there. And then just shout out Gunshot B Rob man. This fucking guy. Get shot, yeah. what, a week before the season last year. Has a pretty serviceable stat line when he comes back for the, the, the most of last season. And then just picks it up where he left off, and it looks even better, man. Like, like he's being used in the receiving game like I never thought he would be. Yeah, we just – um, I didn't mean to gloss over Brian Robinson. The question was, who's like, could he finish as an RB1, right? 100%, but if it's yes. an RB2 – I think Brian Robinson is locked and loaded close to that like top 24 running back going into the season. Antonio Gibson has five carries going into week three. Like it's uh it's Brian Robinson's backfield, and it's not even necessarily a question of if this is Brian Robinson's backfield. My Antonio Gibson shares are are hurting right now, and he is hitting the bench, if not the waiver wire in every league where I drafted him. And and you Eric don't you, say. Eric, you were <laughs> let's chat about this now because we have a segment on the show we'll get to in about 10 minutes or so. And it's a segment there we kind of do deeper waiver wires, almost like waivers a week early, if you would, people who are gonna be on the waivers after they run. And Eric, you campaigned for Antonio Gibson, but I just feel like he will still be too heavily rostered. But we have people here like Simon saying, Hey, I'm gonna fucking cut bait with Antonio Gibson here potentially tonight. So your advice, I think, whether it's in that segment or this segment, I think remains strong that I would love Antonio Gibson on my team, like just looking at some of these running backs that I have. So I, I think your your point is valid here, Eric. Yeah, I, I think the, the thing to underscore is Antonio Gibson is probably going to be one of the more dropped players when waivers run tonight. And while while I agree with Simon that this is very clearly Brian Robinson's backfield, I, I do think there's going to be a, a heavier split between him and Antonio Gibson for the duration, right? I mean, even even last week, right? Brian Robinson outsnapped Gibson, thirty six to thirty. Gibson ran a heap of routes, he ran twenty five routes. He did almost all of his damage as a pass catcher. There are going to be plenty of games where the Commanders are trailing or trying to make a comeback. So Gibson has a role to play. I know. I, I still think it's going to be. 65-35 in Robinson's favor, which is basically the definition of a workhorse in in today's NFL. But you know, Gibson Gibson will have some value, especially as you know, kind of a you know a deeper stash in in the weeks to come. 
Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Looks like we got some friends in the chat. We got Maddie Daddy. What's yeah, up, yeah. Maddie? Thanks for tuning in tonight, man. And then we got Dame and Mr. Scampers. Dame. I know it's their bowling night, so we appreciate them tuning in, <laughs> getting a little waiver information as they're throwing fucking strikes down there, baby. Um, let's get to this question here from our guy, AJ. Uh, Jamar and Aaron Jones for Tyreek. I'm getting Tyreek. Uh, he has ETN, Gunshot, B-Rob, and Kyron Williams. So this is a great time to answer this question. He has a guy who, Simon, you just said could potentially be a running back one. B-Rob, who you also seem to like as an RB2, and ETN, who if he stays healthy, probably a low-end RB1 as well. Are you making this trade here? First of all, AJ, that is my kind of team right there. That is how I love to draft and then how I love to play the running back position. Week one, week two reveals so much information about yeah. how these backfields are going to play out that wasn't there. And you can gain that advantage. You looked weak leaving the draft and now you've got one of the stronger running back cores in your league probably, especially with all the injuries going on. That being said, I'm staying pat, man. I know it's Ooh. been a rough two weeks for Jamar and Aaron Jones, and I love what I've seen from Tyreek, but I think we might be letting that 45-point game distract us from you've got two number one receiving options sitting over here on that team until Christian Watson comes back. Aaron Jones, whenever he's healthy, is going to be heavily involved in the passing game there for the Packers. And Jamar Chase, while he hasn't found the end zone yet, he's got 17 targets through the first two weeks. And he's got Joe Burrow, who hasn't looked like Joe Burrow through two weeks either. I trust that this offense is going to fully pick up. We saw T. Higgins cash in in week two with the double touchdown game. We did. Jamar Chase's time is coming. I, I think what's doing it for me is I don't think the gap between Jamar and Tyreek is an Aaron Jones. And because of that, like yep. I'm I'm holding on to those players. It's not quite enough for me. Okay. Yeah, I think I'm with you there, Simon. At first, I, I read this as Jameer Chase, not, not looking at the spelling at all. And Jamar, he, he has his downs right now, man. But as we even saw on Sunday night, man, like Tyreek can still have mediocre games as well. So don't panic quite yet. I would still love to upgrade Jamar Chase, I think, Eric. If, if I can get a Tyreek Hill, I, I still value Tyreek higher. Yeah. I, like, I really think there's a good shot he's going for two grand this year. However, I, I, it needs to be a small piece, I feel like, to, in exchange to get up, up to that upgrade. Would you agree? Yeah, I mean, in, in my book, Chase and Tyreek are, you know, the, the difference between them is is negligible, right? It's, it's almost like a personal preference kind of thing. Um, you know, never mind the kind of macroeconomic pressures of, you're selling Jamar Chase at his absolute lowest. Yeah, that's um, you know, a great giving point. away a you know a, a potential RB one in Aaron Jones to to move over to Tyreek Hill, who you know, granted has started off the season on fire, but I, I think when we get 17 in the books, is going to finish pretty much in line with Jamar Chase. It just it it feels like a like a bit of an overreaction to me. Fuck yeah. All right, let's talk wide receivers and who might have staying power uh, to finish as a wide receiver one or a wide receiver two. Puka Nakua. Man, I mean, this guy is there 35 targets through two games, folks. It is insane. He's the wide receiver, too. Like, that sounds like a Madden stat line. You know what I mean? That you just, like, you have a shitty team, so you just keep throwing it to, like, the guy 75 overall just to see if he if you can win him, like, rookie of the year MVP. That's what I feel like has happened with Puka Nakua here. Nico Collins, wide receiver six after an incredible 27.6 point performance here in week two. And then Josh Reynolds, baby, our sure thing sleeper of the week, Eric. That was, yeah. that, that, we finally got one here. And uh, he's now wide receiver 12 after a big performance against the Seahawks. Looking at these guys, who do you think has that staying power to finish as a wide receiver one or a wide receiver two? Last year, a couple wide receivers that were ones after just two weeks. Christian Kirk, he finishes a one at wide receiver 11 overall. And Curtis Samuel, my oh my, did I spend a lot of fab on Kurt, Curtis Samuel after week one last year, only to finish wide receiver 35. So, Eric, who's who's for real here and who do you think is a pretender? I mean, look, I, I think I think all three of these guys are for real in their in their own right. Right. Which one do I think has the most staying power? I mean that's 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 my guy Nico Collins, right? Um, you know, if nothing else, the the argument is kind of a process of elimination. Puka Nakua has come out and absolutely set the league on fire. There's going to be a day where Cooper Cup comes back, and a good majority of this volume is going to go away from Puka Nakua, right? Like it could be two weeks from now, it could be five weeks from now, whatever it might be. 
I, I do believe that we see Cooper Cup this year. And obviously that, you know, that bites into Nakua's, you know, fantasy viability. 100%. And, yep. you know, to a lesser extent, same, you know, same argument for Reynolds, right? Like we are expecting to see Jameson Williams when he returns from his six game suspension. You obviously have a bit more runway with Reynolds there, who is clearly the second receiving option there in Detroit while we were waiting for Williams to return. But all that aside, Nico Collins is easily the alpha in this suddenly very pass-happy Texans offense through two weeks. CJ Stroud is on 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 pace to absolutely <laughs> demolish Andrew Luck's rookie pass attempt records. I think Andrew Luck's was 625, 627. Right now, CJ Stroud is on pace for over 750, right? Even if you make it a 16-game window like like it was when when Andrew Luck was out there. This this passing volume for the Texans offense is insane. And they do a ton of passing in the red zone on third down. And Nico Collins is getting a lot of those looks. So again, I don't think he's going to finish the season as wide receiver six overall, but I think he's got a real good shot to finish in that kind of low to mid teens range. Okay. Simon, how do you feel about it? Because this brand new Texans is fun to be a part of. Like we literally have three fantasy relevant wide receivers for a team. We haven't had a relevant wide receiver in two years from. I wasn't drafting any Texans pass catching options. And now whenever I'm running through like waiver wire for this week, yeah. I'm looking at, there are three legitimate players that you should be picking up. Everyone's talking Nico Collins and Tank Dell yet. Look at Robert Woods averaging Bobby double, Trick, digit, double, double digit targets through two weeks, getting it done. And I want to say like the, like the biggest threat to Nico Collins is like the emergence of Tank Dell, right? We saw his snap share go up to 79% this past week, but if they're going to throw the ball 45 plus times a game on average throughout this season, it doesn't matter that Tank Dell is emerging. They can support two, possibly three fantasy relevant wide receivers all season. So Eric, I'm, I'm fully with you. When I look at which one of these is the most sustainable season long, it's Nico Collins in the surprise pass heavy electric Texans offense led by rookie CJ Stroud. Fuck yeah. That's that, that's so fun just to even think about honestly. Like like this has been a, a great time to see that turnaround even it, even if it's just for fantasy. Like I know they're owing too. They're kind of still getting their butt kicked, but but they're fun to watch at least and it's, it's an exciting brand of football down there in Houston, boys. Uh so congrats to you guys, you, you Texas natives. Um here we got we got a question here from Dame saying earmuff scampers. I'm trying to decide to drop Gibson or Big Speed for Ford. I have number one priority leaning Gibson, and I would honestly, unless I have Travis Etienne, I'm probably draft dropping Tank. Like I, I just don't see the value in Tank. Like he played some snaps last week, especially after Etienne went out with cramps, guys. But he still didn't have a have a touch. Like this is a guy. Eric, we, we kind of got a little cold on him last week. I, I can't remember if it was you or Scott on the show with me when we kind of talked about just the decline for Tank and the upside for ETN now. Um, where do you lean here, my friend? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm letting Bigsby go here, uh, except and unless I am the Travis ETN manager, right? Obviously, there is distinctive value in holding on to Bigsby as a handcuff, but assuming that that is not the case for you, I mean, you, you mentioned ETN leaving this week two game with cramps. Even with that being the case, Bigsby still saw fewer snaps in week two than he did in week one. He played 12 to week one's 15. And all of this is a mere fraction of the opportunity share, right? 19% snap share in week two, 22% snap share in, in week one. It's terrible. You know, any, that's <laughs> anyone so bad. that's getting you know 70% of, of the opportunity or more is just an elite workload. I think Travis Etienne is very much so locked into that. So, you know, really you'd be, you'd be trying to luck box into a random touchdown with Bigsby. And that's just a lot of guessing, right? Whereas we've, we've detailed Gibson, right? I think he will have some passing work in this future. All right. What about you, Simon? How do you feel about old tank or uh, Antonio Gibson? Bigsby's the perfect early season cut candidate. I talked earlier about situations where we're worried about reading them wrong. This Jacksonville one was all off season that I had concerns was being read wrong by myself, mm -hmm. right? I believed in ETN, but there was still limited sample yes. size. This is an evolving offense. They brought in a rookie, but after two weeks, I feel like we have seen enough. Bigsby's the kind of guy you draft late. See if we read the situation correctly or incorrectly. It looks like ETN's the lead guy. Move on. 
Um, there, there hasn't been enough to make you hold on to him at this point. At least we have the history of Antonio Gibson being fantasy relevant. Awesome. Great question, Dane. Appreciate you tuning in tonight, fam. Uh, let's talk about QBs, man, because this quarterback market is gross right now. Like, if you drafted either tight end <laughs> or QB early, you are getting motherfucked this year like nobody else. It is insane. Because let's run through some of these overperformers already here uh, in the QB department. Jordan Love, QB2 right now, two 20-point games for him. Russell Wilson had kind of a banger, uh, at least for the first half in uh, in Week 2. He's QB5. Mac Jones, steady Eddie for him, uh, QB7. And then Sam Howe, Eric Bieniemy. Seems like Eric Bieniemy matters. I, I think Eric Bieniemy matters a lot more for the Chiefs and a lot more just in general than I thought he was going to making Sam Howell the QB 12 through two weeks. Simon, does anyone have staying power here to finish as a QB one last year? We had Jared Goff, Carson Wentz and Derek Carr all be QB ones after two weeks. It was only Goff who finished there as QB 10. There's two names on here that say to me, they might be able to finish in that range. And I'm not going to put my money on either one of them, but if you make me put my money on someone, it's going to be either Steady Eddie Mac Jones down there sneaking in at QB 11 or 12, just with these consistent 300 plus passing yard game performances, or it's going to be Eric Bieniemy's new quarterback, Sam Howell with that rushing upside that he presents. I think we've got that sitting there. I do not trust that Broncos offense enough right now. There are serious problems. I think uh, week two is getting buoyed a little bit by that Hail Mary pass to Johnson uh, that added some points for Russell Wilson yeah. at the end of the game. If he doesn't have that long bomb touchdown at the end, we're probably not talking about him in the same range right now. And then Jordan Love, this could be a big miss on my part. I just still have so many questions about that offense. Going into week two, week one, I was like, oh, shoot, I was wrong on Jordan Love. And then week two, no Aaron Jones. And all of a sudden, this looks like a different Packers team out there on the field against the Falcons. Um, I just have a little bit more faith in the rushing ability and the Eric Bieniemy led offense there for Sam Howell in Washington. And then Mac Jones, man, um, sorry for calling for Bailey Zappi to start all offseason because you're looking pretty damn good through two weeks. Eric, how do you feel about him, my friend? So I've got I've got two separate arguments here. Um, the first is very practical. Sam Howell is currently sitting at QB 12, and I think he has the highest likelihood to finish where he is currently, right? Like he runs just enough. I do think that the enemy's got this offense moving in the right direction. I don't think we're going to see any of these, you know, explosive games on a, on a regular basis. So, yeah. you know, a, a guy that can get you 16 to 20 points week in and week out is probably going to finish around QB or 11 or 12. Right. So, you know, functionally speaking, I think Howell has the most, you know, technical staying power, but the, the quarterback that I'm most excited about of this lot is Jordan Love. Yes. This kid start is insane, right? Like I I wasn't in on Jordan Love, right? I, I thought that the the Packers might be heading like to Tanksville and making future QB plans when they let Aaron Rodgers head out the door. But now all of a sudden, like you mentioned, QB two wasn't a huge swing from week to week, right? 23 points in week one, 20.3 points in week two. And this offense they score through the air. Jordan Love is currently the leader in the NFL at an 11.5% touchdown rate. Basically, the yeah, percent that's of pass attempts down. that are converted to touchdowns. That and is going to come Christian down. Without Christian Watson? Yeah. That is without Christian Watson. The <laughs> it's record, going up. I'm just kidding. <laughs> the, the NFL record is a smidge over 10%. So clearly, this is going to regress. But in looking into this, seven of the last 10 years, the leader – in touchdown rate in the NFL has won the NFL MVP. Most of the times they finish between seven and nine percent. To your point, this is going to come down twice in that 10-year window. Is Aaron Rodgers playing in this Matt LaFleur system? I think this Matt LaFleur system really looks to go through the air when it comes scoring time, right? They use a heavy, heavy run package. And then when they get into scoring position, they counterpunch with a play action or a little corner fade, right? Obviously, like I said, this this number is going to come down, this touchdown rate. Yeah, yeah. But I, I do think we're going to see some pretty gaudy touchdown numbers for Jordan Love when it's all said and done. He's doing this without Christian Watson, this receiving core. I mean, top to bottom might be one of the better ones we've seen out of the Packers in recent memory, right? Not as top-heavy as the Devontae Adam days, but in terms of the, the top three plus Aaron Jones they're rolling out there, 
he's got some weapons to throw the ball to. I, I think I think he's got the ability to stay in this QB1 range, but it's going to be okay. very touchdown dependent. And it's crazy because I, I kind of saw this coming. Like I feel like I saw the writing on the wall with the Packers being uh, undersold this offseason. I'm riding a 6-1 to one division uh, future for them as well. And the, the schedule is just so cake here at the beginning of the season. That's the big thing for me. And I do think maybe later in the season there could be some regression for Love. I mean, he's played the Bears and Falcons, not great defenses. Saints, a little bit better of a challenge this week, and they don't get the Lions. But then it's Raiders, Broncos, Vikings, Rams. It's kind of as good as you can get right now. Um, so I think there is some staying power here. Simon, final question here on the quarterbacks. Are you rostering any of these guys in a one-quarterback league? um right now like like is there not or do you just want to stream them all because i think eventually one of them will kind of become the jared goff geno smith of last year where they are rostered everywhere but are you holding on to one of them now stashing them hoping it's them i've got a lot of sam Howell on a lot of my teams picked them up either drafted them in the last round of a bunch of drafts and it was exactly what we talked about eric the enemy led offense rushing ability from a quarterback And if he continues to develop into this new system there in Washington, I agree with Eric. He's most likely to just stay there at the bottom. But um, a dude with rushing upside like that, I think, is worthwhile holding on to. Um, Mac Jones, Russell Wilson, they're in the streaming tier for me. Okay, awesome. Here we got Ricky AA. What's up, Ricky? Thanks for making time for us tonight on your Tuesday evening. We got Dalvin Cook, Jerome Ford, Gus Bus, rest of season, half PPR. Oh, boys, I don't want to be a prisoner of the moment, but I feel like I want to go one way and one way only. Uh, Eric, I'll give it. Eric, I'll give it to you first, man. You're not a Browns fan. You weren't at the game last night. You have no connection. We're removing all bias here. Who are you taking rest of the season? We are not removing all bias. I am also a prisoner of the moment. My moment stretches <laughs> back to last year because my highest rostered player in Dynasty is none other than Jerome Ford who I believe is the the clear answer here, right? Dalvin Cook is going to continue to split work with Brees Hall and to a lesser extent, Michael Carter. I mean, the the mire of the Baltimore backfield has been confusing and frustrating for recent, you know, the last few years. So I, I think we're looking at a world where Jerome Ford you know, really steps into like the Nick Chubb role. And that, that type of opportunity is elite. All right. Simon? I, I think Gus Edwards is safer. If you're looking at who's the most likely to give you consistent half PPR value the rest of the season, there's question marks, but they're all known question marks for Gus. And I do think he's the best running back left on that roster Uh, career average over five yards per carry. Yeah. He's not going to blow the roof off, but he'll drop you 12 to 15 PPR points most week. And you'll, you'll be happy. You'll be happy if he gives you 12 PPR points. I guess this is half PPR, but for Gus, it doesn't really matter that much, right? He's not super involved in the receiving game. The question with Ford is, do they bring in another back? And the hot name right now, obviously, is Kareem Hunt because Kareem Hunt knows the system. And if they do bring him in, are they going to just evenly split work or is Jerome Ford going to remain the hold on that? Um, If Jerome Ford doesn't have that huge run, that 69-yard run where he cuts back, if he's tackled in the backfield whenever he tries to cut back around, are we as excited this week for picking up Jerome Ford? You know what I mean? Great and he, he was really Great close. Point. And so I, I just don't know if he's got as much of a lock on it as we think he does. He's still one of my favorite pickups this week. I think he's got the highest probability of it, but Gus Edwards is safer. And so I'm probably going to roll Gus here. Okay. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit more about Jerome Ford and some of these other uh, potential waiver wire options here in, in the scope. I have the stars in my sights. Requesting permission to engage. In the scope. All right. So before we get to our value targets here, I want to talk about some of these mainstream options. Again, I, I I think the best quarterback on our mainstream list is Jordan Love still. Simon also likes Sam Howe. So if you're looking for another guy to roster in a one quarterback league, these are our potential options for you. Let's talk about Jerome Ford. So shitty to, to see what happened to Nick Chubb. We kind of talked about it a little bit earlier, and he's a great guy. He's a great player. Hopefully he can make it back from this eventually one day. Um, but when it comes to fantasy here, Simon, how much fab are you comfortable using on Jerome Ford out of 100% budget? I mean, I'm hearing numbers very, very high this week everywhere. 
I'm probably approaching that 50% range. I'm not going to go much higher. I do hear people going up 60, 70. This yeah. is the player to drop everything on. Jerome Ford may get that Nick Chubb role, but he's not Nick Chubb. Um, look at the numbers outside of that run last night. He is good, but they're not going to be able to form their offense around Jerome Ford the way they were able to form their offense around Nick Chubb. You're going to see this Browns team have to adapt the way that they run this. So I like Jerome Ford, but I'm not dropping everything I have on him this week, um, especially with the potential looming of another back signing there. Eric, how how do you approach this, man? Because this is not only is it a total bummer, but I don't know. Like, I, Simon, I think you make a good point here. Like, Jerome Ford, it was a fifth-round pick out of Cincinnati. He transferred from Alabama. He's a talented kid, but how talented is he? Like, like, like I, I, I think that's the thing. Is he just another Justice Hill? Is he just another Gus Edwards who's a semi-talented running back who can be on the roster? Eric, is your most rostered dynasty player just another back, Eric? <laughs> <laughs> Just uh, I, I love the I love the Gus Edwards comp as we just had a, a head-to-head question with them as well. Look, I, I I think even though I'm more bullish on Jerome Ford, um, that that's not that's not cause for going overboard, right? Like dropping fifty percent of your fab is an immense amount of money, right? So like if you know it, for me, I, I think that's probably where the practical limit is. If you are a Nick Chubb manager. Obviously, you've got a more, um, you know, present need where you need to fill that hole in your in your roster. So, you know, you can you can clearly, you know, go above that to, you know, whatever degree is really necessary to get it done. But 50, 55 percent is is where I would recommend. I I guess the thing that probably separates my position from from Simon's is I'm I'm less concerned about Cleveland bringing someone else in. And in my mind, they already brought someone else in and that's Pierre Strong, Pierre Strong the, yeah. the player who vultured that touchdown <laughs> after the very long run by Jerome Ford, right? Um, you know, I, I think at least in the snaps when uh, Nick Chubb was no longer available, you saw about a 65-35 split. That's probably about the workload split that we'll see uh, over the course of the season. And like I said a few times on this show, you know, running back getting more than 60% of the opportunity is an elite workload. And I, I think I think Ford can do well enough, right? Like four point six yards per carry over, you know, over his two year career. You know, obviously we'll see how that that extrapolates over the course of a full season. But you know, sure. for for me, I I think I think Cleveland kind of made their decision on Kareem Hunt when they let him walk out the door, and a lot of the reason why they did was because they felt they had a viable option in Jerome Ford already on the roster. Yeah. I do think that uh, the people that are concerned about Pierre Strong's carries coming on the goal line, like, oh, Pierre Strong's the goal line back. Pierre Strong's the goal line back. No, Jerome Ford just ran 70 yards. (laughs) Pierre Strong is not the goal line back. Jerome Ford just sprinted down the field 70 yards just vertically, probably like 140 whenever you take in his side-to-side action down there. Dude was tired. If they don't bring in anybody else, I don't think this is a Pierre Strong is stealing all of his touchdowns. It was just a – a boy who sprinted a hundred yards down the field and yeah. they gave him a break and let Pierre punch it in. Honestly, when I, when I saw him get that touchdown, I was like, yes, this is going to, this is going to pull down Jerome Ford's <laughs> price tag just ever so much. Right. Like any of you try to do anything after you just sprinted 70 yards consecutively. Right. Like the guy was just getting a breather. <laughs> All right. Jerome Ford. I'll be honest. I think I'm, I'm going to be the one I, I would say I'm probably comfortable like 60. I just don't think there's going to be another player that I think you can consistently rank if he is the only guy and they don't bring in a veteran or make a trade. Uh, like we have a comment here in the chat from Ricky saying JT to Cleveland. <laughs> I don't think they would do that, especially because they'd have to pay him. They're already paying Chubb so much. Um, but Cam Akers is on the table. We know they're making calls about him as well. So there are options out there. But if Jerome Ford is the only guy – He's an RB2 every week for me. I, I, I think he's a sit it and forget it RB2. I just don't know how many more of those we're going to see this season. So I think that's why I would go a little bit heavier. But I totally understand. Like, Simon, you're right. That's a shit ton of fab, man. And that's a scary feeling to, to be fabless late in the season when you're trying to make a push for a championship. I think I'm also biased. I'm also already fab poor from a lot of the week one Kyron hey. Williams pickups. Uh, so hey. maybe I'm yeah. maybe I'm being a little stingier with where my fab's going after. I mean, that, that's kind of the point, right? Like uh, a week ago when we were talking about Kyron Williams or Joshua Kelly, 
we were probably saying things like, I'm not sure if there's going to be another guy hitting the wire who has this kind of opportunity, right? So, like, ultimately, running back is a very fragile position. If you do, if you want to go out and drop the hammer and get Jerome Ford, spend 60% plus of your fab, do it. now's the time to do it, right? Like, the earlier in the season, the more value you get for those dollars that you spent. But also, try to try to play a little in the scope of your own, right? Get a few weeks ahead and grab some of those handcuffs that are out there as a stash so that way... When the inevitable happens with someone else, you're not you're not now fab poor and unable to get into those players. As soon as that happened, I, I went I went looking for all my handcuffs because I was yeah. like, damn, I am scared shitless that, <laughs> that you know my, my luck will run out. Uh, one more mainstream waiver wire target at the running back position. I just wanted to quickly touch on Zach Moss. He got all the carries for the Colts. It was insane. It was absolutely fucking nuts what, what happened. Um, Deion Jackson, terribly inefficient week one, so I understand the decision to move to Zach Moss. However, JT could be back in a couple weeks. I don't think you should be paying that much up, up for Zach Moss. I've heard 20% a lot today from a lot of programs. I don't think I would pay that for, for Zach Moss. You're maybe getting two weeks, maybe a little bit more. Um, I mean, if things go his way and JT doesn't come back, he could be the start of the rest of the way. But I still think Zach Moss is one of these other Joshua Kelly type of players. Like we know who Zach Moss is at, the, at this point. He's not a special player. He's an average to below average running back in the NFL. Like congrats to him. I mean, way better at football than I'll be at anything in my life. You know what I mean? But still, um, I- I'm just not comfortable paying up that price, boys. Yeah, I'm um I'm with you. And unless you're in a situation like I'm sitting in one league where your top three running backs were Nick Chubb, Alvin Kamara, and Aaron Jones, there's no need to go spend fab on a player like Zach Moss. Now, if you need, you just need someone you can plug in, you can go drop that 10, 20% because a win's a win. And sometimes you just have to buy a win yeah. on the waiver wire. And I, I feel like that's what you're doing with some of these fill in players that are, you see the end of their time coming. Uh, so if I'm not trying to buy a win this week because of a roster disaster, um, I'm leaving Zach Moss for someone else to pick up probably. Cool. Awesome. We got a uh, big Tully here in the chat saying, would you guys recommend picking up Kyron Williams or Brian Robinson? So this is crazy, but we legitimately talked about these two players and compared their outlook for the rest of the season earlier in this episode. So if you're on YouTube or on Twitch, big Tully, just if you can go back like, 30 minutes we 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 talk about those exact players so um catch it over there but great question that's crazy that everyone has questions about those two guys tonight uh i think we hit it on the head there uh with putting those guys in in the sheet for tonight a couple other rb targets just keep in mind here uh for this season or this week roshan johnson we've been talking about him for weeks he's still a good stash justice hill gus edwards if you want to piece that baltimore backfield Craig Reynolds, Detroit Lions, Dave Montgomery went down here this last weekend. So uh, keep Craig Reynolds in mind, Michigan pride, baby. And then uh, Matt Breida, the Giants. We don't know what's going on here with Saquon Barkley. We heard multi-week absence, and now we're hearing that he might play on Thursday. So I don't think, based on what we saw in that in that game, that he would be playing. Um, but maybe not. And then Tony Jones Jr., another guy if you want to buy a week. Uh, Tony Jones Jr. is is potentially that guy. Maybe Kendra Miller, if he can get back as well. At the receiver position, uh, just I'll run through them quick. Rashid Shahid, Romeo Dobbs, Josh Reynolds, Robert Woods, Tank Dell. We've talked about most of these guys tonight. They should be priority ads if you need a receiver. Sam Laporta, Zach Ertz, Ferguson, and Hunter Henry for tight end positions here. Um, again, kind of same cast of characters we've talked for the last two weeks. Um, they, they need to be over 50% roster and we won't talk about about them anymore guys um but let's get to the in the scope candidates this is the value this is the money segment here and eric I, i'm gonna tee you up man what do you got for us here who is someone we should be looking to stash now and just get after these waivers run uh save a little fab because we might be like simon and blew it all on kyron in week in week one no regrets yeah for <laughs> <laughs> I, I I have also blown through a, a ton of fabs. So you're uh, you're you're in good company, Simon. For for me, the the guy that I think you can probably go out and get on the cheap right now is Jonathan Mingo. Look, this you know this this Carolina Panthers offense has been uh, sputtering, but you know over over the course of the first two weeks, Mingo is out here got 13 targets. Right, he's only hauled in five of them. I think we'll see that rate you know, go up, uh, you know, week over week, including this upcoming week. Um, but also, you know, we're, we're looking at a, a pretty solid game script 
going off against the the Seahawks, right? You know, so far through two weeks, just about every passing offense and specifically outside wide receiver that has faced the Seahawks has popped off for a close to a ceiling game, right? So, you know, I wouldn't go out and grab him and start him immediately. But I do think that if you have an available bench spot, you can go out and get Mingo. And if he pops off this week, you now have been a, a week ahead of the curve. You saved yourself a pile of fab. Well, they need playmakers. They need playmakers in that Carolina uh, receiver room right now. Like Adam Thielen had a really nice game last night. However, like they just didn't have the playmakers, I feel like, to compete with the Saints last night. So I don't love Mingo as a prospect that much, but but I think the opportunity could be there for him. Uh, Simon, who is your in-the-scope candidate here for week number three, my friend? Well, everyone's busy worrying about which Saints running back to pick up with all the injuries. Do I grab Kendra Miller? Do I grab Tony Jones Jr.? I'm picking up tight end Taysom Hill because right now uh-huh. at the tight end position, if you're struggling, which a lot of people are struggling at tight end, what you're hoping for is 8 to 10 PPR fantasy points. And what that means for most tight ends that aren't named Mark Andrews, Travis Kelsey, TJ Hawkinson, is a touchdown. Taysom Hill right now, especially with all the injuries at the running back position, there is a cheat code to close to 10 PPR points. He got nine carries in this last game. He can be used during the receiving <laughs> game. He can be used throwing the ball as well. You don't need a touchdown from Taysom Hill. You need 30 yards on the ground and two catches. You need one completion for 30 yards. The dude is just upping your probability of having a top 12 tight end each week. And I can't believe here I am promoting Taysom Hill yet again. I promised I wasn't going to do it. But <laughs> when Jamal Williams goes down, Kendry Miller's already yeah. injured. Alvin Kamara suspended. They showed that they'll use Taysom Hill in this offense. And you can throw him in your tight end position. He's a running back. Like exactly. that's yeah, man, it's here. We fucking go again. I, I did not expect to hear that one. I, I remember we threw him out, I think week three or four last year. So I feel like we're in a little bit of a time warp here, but I love the call, Eric. How do you feel about it? Yeah, look, like for whatever reason, these commissioner platforms are refusing to change his eligibility. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, take take full advantage of it, right? Like, especially in in today's tight end reality, right? There are a couple of guys who are going to be elite options of the position every single week. And after that, it's just kind of a mess, right? Like a bunch of three for 35 kind of projections. So you get a guy that's also going to work in some rushing work. You get a guy that's also going to get some red zone passing opportunities or some red zone carries like that can be a, a, a week maker on any given week at a, you know, a fairly soft position overall. He got stopped at the four last night as well. And if he got into the end zone, people are talking about him a lot more. So I think it's a really, really sneaky in the scope candidate from Simon. I will round us out here tonight uh, with my in the scope candidate, the guy on the thumbnail, Rashad Bateman, Baltimore Ravens, And usually I do not pick someone who was drafted. Like I know Rashad Bateman was drafted most, most places, but he's only rostered in 12 and a half percent of leagues. And that number is going to go down even more tonight because people are going to see what he did in the stat line. He just has six targets on the season, 11.3 PPR points. However, OBJ is hurt. And this offense has looked like dog shit without JK Dobbins, honestly. They're another one that seems like they need playmakers. Zay Flowers has looked good at times. Mark Andrews did his thing here in week number two. Uh, but Rashad Bateman is that guy. Like This is a first-round pedigree receiver out of Minnesota a couple years ago. And I know he was running behind Nelson Aguilar, and everyone was worried about that. He was obviously in the doghouse, kind of like a Brandon Ayuk situation from a couple years ago. But he ran 59% of the snaps last week after OBJ got hurt. Um, and he, he's caught all six of his targets and I know it's a super, super small sample size, but right now he is 23rd among wide receivers in average fantasy points per target, 2.17 and other advanced metrics like fantasy points per route run. Like he is capitalizing on his opportunity. He just needs to get the opportunity here. I I'm, I'm in a lot of leagues, man. I don't have a lot of good receivers. Like I have my, my first or second guy. I have a Josh Reynolds here or there. Um, and I might need a play here in a week or two. And I think Bateman could be that guy, especially if OBJ is hampered long-term. And I, they, they said this isn't going to hamper him long-term, but I mean, who knows with this guy? So I'm in on Rashad Bateman as a player. I think we're getting for free here and uh, a little bit of a value this week, boys. I think what you pointed out is something we need to look for across the board is look for when the 
the metrics, the stats, the numbers aren't quite matching up with the fantasy points, right? We're seeing Rashad Bateman find success out there on the field. You mentioned Taysom Hill almost scoring that touchdown. Look at the things that almost happen or are happening, but on a smaller scale. And then those are the players that make the perfect, these in the scope kind of candidates, right? To throw on the back end of your roster and see if the little glimmer that we saw develops into something big. And you're right, this Ravens offense I know maybe disappointing week one, week two, starting to figure it out. They're going to get it going under Todd Munkin. Um, so I'm down to hold on to these receiving options for a little bit longer. Fuck yeah. You riding with us, Eric? You riding with Bateman or, or are you cutting bait? No, I'm, I'm totally riding with you. And and honestly, you know, regardless of the severity of the OBJ injury, I, I think Bateman's kind of an interesting, you know, buy low, buy basically for free target, right? Like, there was there was a point where he was the the focal point of uh, of the, the the Ravens passing game, not named Mark Andrews. And you know, while Todd Munkin kind of adjusts his system to today's NFL, I I don't think that the the book is written on how they're going to utilize these wide receivers yet. Right? Like the whole the whole point of our opening segment was that what we see through two weeks cannot be taken as gospel. Right? So yes. Rashad Bateman, I think, has a role to play in this offense. And his participation and his opportunity is still exactly where you want to see it. Just hasn't converted into fantasy production yet. So that is the ideal buy low candidate. Or in this case, go and pick up for free, right? He's only he's only rostered in 12% of leagues. 100%. All right. I love it, guys. Let's go ahead. Let's round this show out with uh, our final segment from the forum. And this is presented by our friends over at the Fantasy Football Advice Network. You can check them out at FantasyFootballAdvice.com. Here's a little promo uh, of what they can offer here for you this season. Right, the Fantasy Football Advice Network. You got to check it out, guys. It's a platform where creators and fantasy football enthusiasts can support each other. It's taking all those great apps, Discord, Patreon, Facebook, Instagram, and it's combining it into one platform because, let's face it, guys, I don't have enough memory on my phone. I have to delete anytime I want to install a new app. I got to delete another one. So I'm trying to cut down my storage a little bit, cut down my screen time and uh, doing that over here at the fantasy football advice network. Use the promo code IBT. You're going to get 25% off your first purchase over there. And uh, guys, it's like a cup of coffee a month. So hundred percent need to need to try it out. And I uh, want to shout out the, the chat and everyone tuning in on YouTube tonight and Twitch uh, been really, really cool to see some new faces. Uh, I know Simon's a big deal, so appreciate you bringing in <laughs> bringing in the the crowd tonight, Simon. No, they're they're here for you guys. <laughs> All right, so we're gonna get some questions from over there at the Fantasy Football Advice Network. If you guys have any questions, now is the time we can answer those for you as well. Um, let's start here with rest of season: Raheem Moster or Jerome Form. This coming from um, Cap over there at the Fantasy Football Advice Network. This is a really tough one for me, boys. This is really, really tough. Simon, how do you feel, man? How are you feeling about it? Because Jerome Ford, you know, the hot name of the night. But Raheem Mostert, he's done his thing, and it's just next man up, next man up in Miami, it feels like. Everyone's going down. Yeah. Um, I know I mentioned earlier the fears around Jerome Ford maybe not having as much of a lock on that backfield as we would have hoped, right? They could potentially bring someone in to compliment him or take over that top role. The problem with Raheem Mostert is that guy's already on the Dolphins roster and it's rookie Devon Chain, who made his debut this week after a shoulder injury kept him out in week one. Don't get me wrong, Mostert looked good, but Mostert, we've seen this experiment from Raheem Mostert before. And I also think Devon Chain might just be the better running back that they brought in for this specific purpose. The reason you didn't see him fully involved the first two weeks was due to the injury that kept him out. And I, I'm expecting over the next couple of weeks, we see the shift to a chain as the lead rusher there, even with the electric performance this past week. So I'll go Jerome Ford. Um, I, there is concern about both of these guys, but I'll go with the guy who doesn't have his replacement on the roster already. 
Well, and I'm with you, Simon, because when you look at Cleveland compared to Miami, Miami is a team that they don't run the ball a whole lot. 39.7% of the time so far this season, that's 21st most. Look at Cleveland, though, 49% of the time. That's top eight in the league, and that's no fluke. They've been a top eight team the last four years under Kevin Stefanski. Like you said earlier, Jerome Ford is not Nick Chubb, so I think that will come back down a little bit. We'll see a little more Watson, but he's struggling too. Um, it's it's tough matchups for both of them, Eric, though. like like the, the matchups are tough moving forward. Next four for Jerome Ford, Titans, Ravens, 49ers, Colts. Not yes. great. That is brutal. Um, and then your guy Raheem Mostert, Broncos, Bills, Giants, Panthers. Yeah, I, I think I think it's Ford. I, I love that we're we're putting Simon's bearishness on Jerome Ford to the test just early and often over the course of this show. Um, but it's it's really it's it's the it's the points that you both laid out, right? Like this this Browns offense is much more run centric, right? Their offensive yeah. line grades much more favorably in run blocking than they do in pass blocking. But also, like I said earlier, I'm I'm projecting Ford to get 60 62 65 percent of the opportunity and not only does Raheem Mostert have to uh have to hold off the emerging Devon A chain but also got Jeff Wilson coming back in a couple of weeks right like last year they they almost split 50 50 on the nose they actually played a fair amount of snaps together so Mostert saw 56 percent of snaps Jeff Wilson saw 51 percent of snaps I think that's largely going to be the game plan for Miami and then week over week especially as he gets more comfortable with pass protection, we're going to see Devon A. Chain continue to chip away at that at that two way workload, right? So, if nothing else, like opportunity weighs so heavy in fantasy football, and I I think Jerome Ford's going to have more of it when the when the season's all said and done. Hell yeah, hell yeah, appreciate that. Um, we got super CNB challenges in the Ooh. chat. Should I trade away Miles Sanders and Olave for Jamar Chase? We talked about buying low on him earlier uh, this this episode, Simon. Is this buying low or or is this buying too high on him, you think? Um, don't get me wrong. I love me some Olave this season. And what we've seen has looked all right through two weeks. But Jamar Chase is a tier one wide receiver. He's comparable with Tyreek Hill. He's up there with the best of the best. And this is Miles Sanders. I'm not afraid of giving up at this point in time. Um this is a slam dunk trade. I'm I'm taking Jamar Chase and I'm going to bed smiling. Eric, I am too. Um, I I don't know how much you know this is buying low on Jamar Chase. I think this is a pretty fair deal yeah. overall. But I would I, I would much rather have the Jamar Chase side in in this arrangement. And Chris Olave, like shout out to him. He is he is off to a fantastic start through through two games of the Derek Carr era, but. You know, none, nonetheless, even if we like him to finish as a fringe wide receiver one, he doesn't have the wide receiver one on his range of outcomes, and Jamar Chase does. Certainly. Got Ricky here. Josh Reynolds, Terry McLaurin, Jacoby Myers, pick two. Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, geez. This this one hurts me. I mean, you're keeping Terry McLaurin. Yeah, that's the slam dunk, right? Yeah, that's the slam dunk. It's Josh Reynolds or Jacoby Myers. Jacoby <sighs> Myers was a fucking weapon in week number one. Shout out to him, man. Like, I mean, and I and I think he's going to be a stud too. But I really love Josh Reynolds. And Amon Ross St. Brown here, Ricky, is injured. At least, like, they're not calling it turf toe, but it's fucking turf toe. Like, let's just be honest. Like, they put a, a steel plate in his shoe so he could finish that game. I think Josh Reynolds, he has a potential to be the wide receiver one if Amon Ra misses time, and he's a viable wide receiver two uh, option, I think, as long as Jameson Williams isn't back here. So I like Josh Reynolds if I'm trying to get out to to a little bit of a lead here. Um, but Jacoby's great too. Eric, how, how do you feel on the two? Yeah, M- McLaurin's the the clear choice here, and I, I would I would go Josh Reynolds to, to follow that up, right? Jacoby Myers obviously had a you know a, a fantastic week one but also he was getting the soft coverage on the other side of the Patrick Sertan shadow that's yes. not going to be his matchup every single week right so you know very much so we've seen Jacoby Myers best game potentially we can say the same for Josh Reynolds but I think his role in the offense is just is just more established relative than uh, relative to that of Myers and in, in the Raiders offense Simon? let's not forget about the uh 
the number one DB there in uh, in Atlanta either. AJ Terrell's looking pretty good through the first two weeks of the season, having a bit of a bounce Brandon back. Me. And we saw Jaden Reed kind of find some success, I think, in part because of AJ Terrell covering Romeo Dobbs for most of that game. So even with Amon Ross St. Brown in there, maybe AJ Terrell's a little bit too much for him to handle. And we see Josh Reynolds step up in that game. Uh, I think I'm with you guys. I'm going to roll Josh Reynolds here as the second guy. Awesome. Last question from here over on the forum. Uh, what is Puka Nakua's value in P- in a PPR league? Infinite. Basically, our guy Harry Wolf. I, I wonder if this is his actual name. Is his name Harry <laughs> Wolf, or is or is that a like? I just need to know that because I got a funny last name too. So uh, I, I'm there with you, Harry. Uh, but what is what is the value here? Because he's saying basically he can get Puka Nakua and Derrick Henry and ship them for Bijan. Or Jamar Chase and Derrick Henry for Bijan, which I know we want to do that second one for sure. Um, thoughts on this trade, Simon, and in general, where you value Nakua rest of season? This is this is tricky. I'll start with maybe the easier part, which is how do I value Puka Nakua rest of season? And that is as a wide receiver three with upside. Um, you're going to get continued double-digit targets until Cooper Cup's back, but there's a world where Matthew or Cooper cups comes back and Matthew Stafford just targets him 20 times a game, right? Yeah. Like it's not unreasonable. Just like we saw the switch that easily to Puka I could flip back the other way. So I'm in, but with tempered expectations, once cup is back, that being said, is that like, that makes the Derrick Henry to Bijan question. Like, is that a big enough upgrade for you in your mind to sacrifice the next couple of weeks of potential wide receiver one value from Puka and, God, it's a small sample size, but Bijan's been so exciting to watch through the first two weeks. He looks as good as advertised, if not better. I'm doing it. I'll, I'll take oh. this moment to take that upgrade and grab me and Bijan Robinson on my roster. I do think it's an upgrade from Derrick Henry to Bijan. Eric, how are we feeling, man? This is this one's tough. This one this hits home for me. I have so much of all these players in all my leagues, and I man like derrick henry hasn't looked great like can we be honest like he's looked okay like he's looked better than fucking Najee harris did last night oh my god but not like the like, king that we're used to see. Bar. yeah like he hasn't looked like he's had a couple explosive runs he had that great screen pass uh that, that he took for for a long ways in week one and then last week he had about a 20 yard or two um but overall he hasn't looked that great and they have Ty J Spears there as well. So Eric, split the difference here. Uh, you, you doing this trade, and and I, I think Simon's spot on. Puka's a wide receiver three with upside with cut back, and right now he's given wide receiver one production. Yeah, that that is the sober and, in my opinion, correct analysis on on Puka Nakua. Right, like the the first two weeks of the season have been legendary, record breaking for Puka Nakua. But the reality is, like I mentioned before. Cooper Cup will return, and that is going to eat away at the volume and thus uh, Puka Nakua's value in fantasy. I, I think maybe the only qualifier here, these are these are two point-in-time wide receivers, Nakua and Jamar Chase, that um, I, I can't even make a cogent argument for this. I was going to say if you need immediate-term production, because I do think we're going to see a few games where uh, Joe Burrow is either – hobbled yep. or potentially shut down so you know the 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 next two to three week prospectus probably favors puka nakua over jamar chase but the season-long perspective is far and away the the jamar chase side so fantasy football is so stupid <laughs> if you want to get froggy with that do with it as you please <laughs> but honestly i mean maybe maybe it's just the the texas vibes because Bijan is a is a ut product this game is meant to be fun right and rostering Bijan Robinson is so incredibly fun right now. Like, if you watch any of his games, if you watch any of his highlights, like, rest in peace to all those defenders' ankles. This guy stops on a dime. He changes direction without changing his speed, without slowing down. Like, it is so immensely fun to watch him carry the football. And he is in, arguably, if not statistically, the most run-centric offense in the NFL this season. So he is going to have plenty of opportunity obviously running backs are a more fragile position so you know relative to an elite wide receiver you're probably taking a bit more risk in you know putting all those eggs in the Bijan basket but if nothing else when those running backs are young or rookies they typically don't see that injury bug crop up as quickly so 
you know, it's it's a it's a bit of a YOLO take, but I I want to get as much Bijan Robinson as I can. They could give Tyler Algier twenty carries a week, and Bijan could still be the touches leader on the season Easily. with how much this Falcons offense. Like like not even exaggerating with the amount that they run. Like there's there's plenty for two running backs to have a borderline workhorse workhorse workload in this offense. I'm with you there. Last one here from Ricky Josh Reynolds or Gus Bus. It's Josh Reynolds for me, man. I I I think if you want immediate value, like Gus Bus is probably the better play season long. Um, but but if you're trying to win these next couple weeks and you need a play, I feel much better sticking Josh Reynolds in a flex than than Gus right now. Um, I, I just don't know what the floor is for Gus Edwards. It, it's it's pretty non-existent. It feels like so you're you're kind of hoping for touchdowns with with Gus Edwards, honestly, like. The receipt. I don't think he's caught a reception in a couple of years. I don't know if that still stands, but I know he had a long streak of games. He had not. So um, any disagreement for you, gentlemen? I think Gus, you said what I was going to say. Season long, I'll roll with Gus. I trust his relatively low upside, but sticky value in my mind in that Ravens offense. Cool. Sweep it for me, right? I, I think I think it's it's not going to be as uh, as flashy as evidenced by Josh Josh Reynolds' two-touchdown game last week. But if if you're looking for that steady kind of flex contribution, uh, Gus projects more favorably in that regard. Awesome. Well, guys, I can't thank you enough for joining us here tonight on the In-Between Fantasy Football Podcast. Simon, tell us where we can find you and all the awesome work you're doing out here in these fantasy football streets, my friend. Well, first of all, thank you so much for taking the time to have me on. And uh, myself and I'll speak for everyone at Front Yard Fantasy, we love and are obsessed with you guys over at IBT Media. The content that you create and the team that you're building is something special in this space. Um, if you guys want to check out what we're doing, you can find me on Twitter at FYF Simon. But check out our YouTube at Front Yard Fantasy. We're live every day. Monday through Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern time for the fantasy football game show. We've got some fantasy football jeopardy tomorrow. So come and hang out and play that game with us. Flex your week two knowledge. See if you know more than we do. You probably do. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Well, Simon, we appreciate you and everyone over at FYF and all the good stuff you guys are putting out here this season. Make sure you guys are opening up a new tab on YouTube and subscribing to their channel. It's a lot of fun. I highly suggest you get involved. For me and Eric here at IBT Media, you guys know what to do. Subscribe to the channel. Come back. Hang out with us again. Uh, We got a lot of fun stuff coming, man. It's still NASCAR season. The PGA Swing season's heating up, and we're live here two nights a week. Uh, We're here every Tuesday at uh, 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time, and then on our Friday episodes as well, 2 p.m. Eastern Time. Eric, I know you have some other things going on. Um, I know we just had a big uh, push for for the the final pros with Joe's a couple weeks ago. that is in the book. Congratulations for that and everything you guys have going over there at GSM. If you want to tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. Pros with Joe's four, which is weird to think we've done this for four seasons now is off and running. We're two weeks yeah. in. Um, so we've got all 56 of our paired teams uh, uh, battling away to, to make their way to the playoffs, which start in week 14. And like you mentioned, green screens, media largely covering college basketball, which never sleeps uh we actually just wrapped up our mid-major preview segment so we covered every single mid-major conference two at a time over the course of the last three or four weeks so that is all at the green screens media youtube page and we're getting ready to kick off with the uh with the high major it's going to head into those power conferences the next few weeks so green screens media on youtube or you can just head over to my twitter page which is at fantasy nav and all of that will be somewhere in my timeline. Hell yeah. Well, I appreciate it, guys. Um, everyone out there tonight, please enjoy this week, man. It's a fun time in the season. Uh, shout out Nick Chubb, man. Sending good vibes your way. Shout out to our guy in the background, Kyle Scott, as well. We love you, brother. And uh, we'll catch you guys next time. Until then, keep it in between.